0: Meatballs,
1: Meatballs Meatballs, Meatballs Podcast number 12 This is Meatball Fulton Oh boy, I have something really nice for you Ram Das. Ram Das is a remarkable being that went off to India, found a guru, and it changed his life. And later the people he came into contact with, he changed their lives. His guru gave him three words, love, serve, remember. That is, love everyone, serve everyone, and remember God. Back in 1973, when CBS was a radio commune, we produced a record set with Ram Das called Love, Serve, Remember. It was a box set, had a 12-page booklet, and six LPs. We sold it for four dollars and fifty cents. Can you imagine? Then a year or so later, it was released and sold for around six fifty, I believe. If you've heard the fourth tower of Inverness, then you've heard some of his little bits of wisdom coming out of a jute box that Jack Flanders discovers in one of the towers.
0: And that eternal, at first, that witness that we're talking about is just like—it's part of your rational mind. It's one little me that's watching all the other me's. Rajiv says, you know, I guess I've said, one me sets the alarm clock at night and the other me turns it off in the morning and says, who set that alarm clock? And there are thousands of me's and one me watches all the other me's. That's its trip. It's got nothing else going, just watches the other me's. It's not evaluating them, it's not trying to make them enlightened, just watching. Saying, ah, Angry. Ah, horny, ah, sleepy, ah, putting yourself down again, ah, pride, Ah, planning, thinking, just sitting around noting it all, ah, yes, that too, oh, yes, and that too, yes, and that too, that's still just rational mind, it's still on this side of the doorway. But it's a step. It's what it is, is a like a leverage thing you can use to get rid of all the rest of the me's until you're just being this me, this me that's just here all the time. Here we are, right? We're all here, right? Sure, you've got your drama. I've got my drama. You're going to walk out in the street. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're going to do that. This lifetime, you'll do this drama. I'll do that drama. You'll die. I'll be reborn. You'll be reborn on and on. We'll go and we're all here all continually here. Nobody's going anywhere. You just got to wake up out of the dream that you were going somewhere.
1: Love Serve Remember contains phone calls, Ramdas reading from the third Chinese patriarch of Zen, the Gospel according to John, the Ramayana, and there's an amazing meditation and music. For those of you familiar with Moon Over Morocco, there's a scene near the end where Jack meets Mustafa, the storyteller. Mustafa tells Jack something that begins with, The way, my friend, is not difficult. And it goes on, but it is difficult to understand because Mustafa kind of dissolves as he's telling it. What he is saying was based on the Third Patriarch of Zen, and now you can hear the complete piece read by Ram Dass. And he doesn't dissolve, so it's very clear. Here's a taste. When
0: the mind exists, undisturbed in the way, nothing in the world can offend. And when a thing can no longer offend, it ceases
1: to exist in the old way. I want to stop talking and play you something. I found the phone calls especially moving. They were recorded at WBAI in New York City. His advice to the caller is so right on, so fresh, as though it were said yesterday. Ram Dass, spiritual path being the path of the heart, his wisdom does not date. It's amazing how alive this is. Hello? Oh, yes, Well, I would just like to
2: uh, question uh, Baba Ramdas when he says uh, the common denominator is, uh, is being. Um... But there are levels of being, and there are some people that you can never strip the roles, the roles of hostility. Uh, for instance, um, on the 1st of May of this year, a cousin of mine, a girl, will be spending the fifty year of a 35-year uh, sentence in Texas in Beaumont for possession of marijuana in Ohio.
0: been reflecting on this a lot uh, in many ways uh, in relation to prisons, for example, in that um, um, I carry on a long correspondence with many, many people who are in prison all over the world now, and I would be happy to carry on a correspondence with your sister as well, by the way. I've reflected on the fact that being in prison, especially um, in a way of uh, being in prison because of cultural mores, like your, um, your cousin obviously is, um, puts a tremendous uh, tax on your ability to, s- to get beyond your own melodrama and your own suffering and use it constructively without getting lost in it and lost in your anger and your hurt and your paranoia and your self-pity and all these things. Yeah, but, uh, wait but a I minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now calm down. Let me talk. Relax, okay? Okay, right. You do the best you can to relieve the suffering. That is, you do the best you can to get your cousin out of prison. Yeah, which is nothing. Okay, now wait a minute. Don't, don't be so reactive. Just hear it all. And for your cousin's work, her work is to use whatever the given conditions are of her life for her to awaken and come to God. Like a lot of my friends who have done long prison terms and who have gotten out, I found them incredibly more conscious than they ever were when they went to prison. Now, I would certainly never send anybody to prison to make them more conscious. But the fact is, they were givens. Like I was recently with Huey Newton, who was put in prison and kept there for some years for, for, uh, on, for right. supposedly murdering somebody. And he was kept in solitary confinement for a long time. And I meet him now, and I look into his eyes, and there is absolutely a clear, lucid contact uh, with no anger, no nothing. We're just right here. We're not black man and white man. We're nothing. We're just straight. And I say to him, Huey, how'd you get so straight? And he says, well, solitary was the big thing. He said, I was in solitary, and I had to get straight through it. And I see that the worst thing they could do to him became the greatest blessing for him. Now, I, I would never lay suffering on somebody for that reason. But when somebody is given, uh, you know, the cup of poison or the bitter thing to drink, okay, you work with that. That's the way it's given. And if you get caught in the paranoia that created the problem for you, you're just staying deep in the illusion. Yeah,
2: There's, but not, not just the paranoia, but that's... I mean, uh, the life is poverty, the life is shit, the life is jail, the life is hostility. I mean, it's very hard. I wonder about the common denominator, you know? I think. I think some people might not have any any part of being at all you know because it's impossible when you run into hatred when you when you run into people uh uh then you look at them and you find the, and you realize that there is no way that you can reason with this person as a human being like a person like that you know is going to inflict violence on you for no reason and you come to the conclusion that you know this is another human being and maybe he's part of me but you know, he's going to kick the shit out of me and there's nothing I can say to him. You know, what do you do then? I mean, sure you can say, well, I'll try to do my best to alleviate suffering for him and for me, but, you know, right then and now it hurts. Then and there it hurts, you know. I mean,
0: How much it people hurt... waking
2: up in the ghetto every day for year after year after uh... year after year, you know. Uh, being denied, you know, basic dignity. Maybe it's false dignity, but to them it isn't.
0: Okay, (laughs) I, uh, I, I appreciate the frustration you're experiencing and the hurt you're experiencing about the predicament of man and the paranoia and the suffering and the suffering man inflicts on man. Your anger and your frustration is reactive. You're reacting to the conditions in such a way that your reaction in a funny way perpetuates it and your work on yourself is to get yourself into a position where you can see it all uh, dispassionately enough to understand what is the optimum act you can do to relieve human suffering and if you can take a more dispassionate view of what human suffering is about you find out that human suffering is part and parcel of philosophical materialism which is just what you were saying is what most people are caught in. I don't have that attachment because This isn't that, I'm not that caught or identified with my body or my personality or my own particular melodrama. Now, most people are, and for most people, you do the best you can to relieve human suffering. That is, you do the best you can to get your cousin out of jail, to relieve the ghetto situation, to get more conscious politicians, you do all that. But when you examine it from a more conscious point of view yourself, you recognize that the optimum thing you can do is to extricate yourself from the kind of attachments that make you merely a reactive organism in the system because then everybody that goes boo to you, you jump. And the game is finally when somebody goes boo to you, you say, I see you going boo and here we are, right?
2: It's just just
0: very, very hard. Oh, uh, very hard. In North
2: America, in urban North America.
0: That's what's, it's called the the fire that really burns. That's the fire of the marketplace. See, it's really easy to go off to a cave and get high and, you know, stay so high and beautiful by denying all that. Mm -hmm. But when you stay right in it, right in the marketplace and work with it and look people in the eye and deal with poverty and deal with greed and lust and anger and impurities and politicians and paranoia and all that stuff and say, yes, 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 I see it all, all right, I understand it all, I've got to hear my part in it and do it purely and with love. That's the work. That's the fiercest work. It's the fiercest fire we can stand in. Right. Okay. I love you. You're a beautiful guy. Okay. Thanks so much. Uh, send my love to your cousin, will you? I will. And if she wants to, she can send me a note through this radio station. It'll get to me. Yeah, okay. Okay, fine. Okay. Bye.
1: Over the years, people have asked us to re-release the album. And now with permission from the Ramdas Institute, we are delighted to offer this six LP set as MP3 downloads. They have been digitized from the original Tape Masters, and as you heard, the sound is really good.
0: Namah
1: what you're hearing now is Bhagvandas. You heard him at both the fourth tower and moon over Morocco. Bhagavan was the young man Ram Dass sped in India and who introduced him to his guru. There's also Krishna Das, who has a number of CDs out there now, another fine singer. So if you are a Ram Das fan, this is for you. If you need a spiritual tune-up, this is for you. If you'd like to know more about Ramdas, go to ramdas.org. R A M R-A-M-D-A-S-S D A S . O R G. This is Meatball Fulton. You'll find love sir remember at our website. CBS.org